Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. How many of you uh, have ever experienced something in your life that just did not quite make sense? How many have ever been there before? My son, we have a two and a half year old son. Uh, he is absolutely mortified of flies. It makes no sense to me and his mother. When he sees one, he just flips out. He starts to scream, he starts to flail. And I'm like, it's a fly. It can't harm you, it can't hurt you. But what it has done in our household is it has created a narrative for us to try to kill as many flies as possible just so that he won't see it. Two weeks ago, this is a true story, two weeks ago, it was a fly in our house, it was a big fly, and I happened to find this fly, cornered this fly, lock him in the bathroom. I couldn't catch him, and so my logic was, if I can't catch and kill this fly, there is a side of this fly that can't survive beyond 24 hours. How many of you ever heard that before? 24-hour span is the life of, of a fly's life. And so if I can't catch and kill him in 24 hours, this fly's going to be dead. Why? Because a fly's life is only 24 hours. I come back the next day, I open this bathroom, and this fly's going strong. I mean, he is, he is flying stronger. He is, he is, I can hear his wings like a bee. He's buzzing all around this bathroom. So I'm super confused. I'm like, wait a minute. This fly's supposed to be dead. It's been a day, 24 hours. This fly must be like a super fly or something like that. So I did what every logical human being would do as it concerns what it is that they thought should happen. I went to Google. Yeah. Went to Google. How many know when you, when you got something going on in your life, don't search Google. Like when you got a cough, don't search it on Google. They, they bring up the worst things. You, you have lung disease. Oh no, it's just a cough. Oh my gosh. I, you know, it's everything you can think of is on Google. I go to Google and I start to research the lifespan of a fly. And to my amazement, a fly can live up to three months. It's like, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. And then I start to think, well, where did I hear a fly only lives 24 hours. And I started to try to backtrack like, okay, this doesn't make sense. Where did I hear a fly only lives 24 hours? And I couldn't backtrack where I originally heard it. I just believed it. And a lot of times, doubt is like that in our lives. We, we can't backtrack where it originated. We just believe it. In Romans, it says that faith comes by hearing, but this is what I've come to learn over the course of my life, so does doubt. Faith comes by hearing, but so does doubt. And if you ever do inventory on some of the things that you doubt, you can't trace where it originated from. You just believed it. I want us to look at a passage of Scripture today of a father who has 
uh, a son that's been dealing with something for years. And the thing uh, that I see in this passage of scripture is this father is in pain because his son is in pain. And if you've ever experienced any kind of pain in your life, you understand that it will cause you to doubt some things in your life. If the enemy can't get you to doubt the existence of God, he will get you to doubt God's goodness based upon what you're going through. Have you ever been through something in your life and it brought you to the place and you asked yourself this question, if God is really good, why am I dealing with this? If God really loves me, why, why am I going through what it is I'm going through? If God really cares for me, why am I experiencing the pain that I'm experiencing? And the answer isn't so simple. The answer isn't in some bottle that we could find in a store and unlock it and untwist the cap and discover, okay, this is the reason why I'm going through what I'm going through. It's not that simple, but today I pray that we leave with a little bit of clarity as to how to handle doubt. So I want us to turn our attention to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. And we're going to start at verse 17. It says, a man in the crowd answered, teacher... I bought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. And I just wonder how many of us in here have encountered seasons of our lives where we felt like we've been robbed of something. I wonder how many of us are in a season right now in our lives where we feel like, man, life has robbed me of my happiness. This relationship has robbed me of this, this joy that I once had. My, my, my children, I, I had plans for them to turn out this way and they didn't quite turn out the way that I expected my job. God gave me a promise that I would do these things and I would start this business and I would go on to do all these great things and everything that he said, I'm experiencing the exact opposite. And we begin to doubt and this father is talking to Jesus from the standpoint of, I've tried everything I could try. I've done everything I can do. You are my last hope. It says whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He begins to foam at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and he becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And I just want you to ask yourself that question with whatever it is that you may be dealing with today. How long has it been like this? How long have I been going through the things that I've been going through? How, how long have I been experiencing this pain? How long have I been going through the relational hardships that I've been going through? How long has it been like this? this. And Jesus asked this question, but he already knows the answer. And sometimes I believe Jesus asked us questions so that we could hear ourselves ask what we should already know. This father brings his son to Jesus because Jesus is his last hope. He understands I've done everything. I've exhausted all my resources. I've spent so much money going to all these other people to try to solve this problem. But there is no one that can solve our problems like Jesus. The reason Jesus can solve our problems is because he made us. 
I recently got a, a new phone, and, and when you look at this phone and you look at the date that comes with the phone, it comes with a serial number, and if you look at the fine print, it says that if something is to affect this phone or if this phone is to have any problems, send it back to the manufacturer. And the reality is all of us have issues in our lives. All of us have issues that we're dealing with. All of us have struggles that we're dealing with. All of us are broken in some area of our lives, but we find ourselves trying to fix ourselves instead of returning ourselves to the person who made us. You can't fix yourself because you didn't make yourself. You, you can't heal yourself because you didn't create yourself. I know you have created this, this person that you think you are, but the reality is who you think you are is not who God made you to be. And so it's important that you return to the person that made you. You can't clean yourself because you didn't make yourself. You can't heal yourself because you didn't create yourself. Return to the manufacturer and his name is Jesus. This father understands I can't control what happens to my son, but I know who can. And so I want to place my son back in the hands of the person that created him. See, the reality of our lives is it all depends on whose hands we put it in. All depends on whose hands we put it in. My life is better in the hands of Jesus. My, my situation, my circumstance is better in the hands of Jesus. If, if you give me a basketball, I'm pretty good at it. I play high school ball. I play college ball, but I did not go on to play in the NBA. And so there's only a certain level I can take you with a basketball in my hand. But if you put a basketball in the hands of Michael Jordan, he'll get you six championships. He'll be, he'll be the greatest of all time. He'll be known as the GOAT. He'll create some sneakers that's worth over a billion dollars. It all depends on whose hand you put it in. If you put a golf club in my hands. I'm going to get outside. I'm going to cut some grass. <laughs> I'm trying to learn. It's one of those sports that's super frustrating. It's super tactical. You got to be in it almost every single week. I just don't have the tolerance to do it. I, I will stand there with a club. I will swing. I will miss the ball on numerous occasions. I will look down and I will see sand where there was once grass. If you put a golf club in the hands of Tiger Woods, he'll win you some masters. It all depends on whose hands you put it in. If you put a baseball bat in my hands, I may hit that baseball 200 yards, but if you put a baseball in the hands of Barry Bonds, he's going to hit some home runs. And he's going to be known as one of the greatest of all times. It all depends on whose hands you put it in. You keep your life in your hands. You may be, you may be able to do good things with it, but if you put your life in the hands of Jesus, he can take what was once broken. He can take what was once missing. He can take what was once torn apart and he can make great things out of it. It all depends on whose hands you put it in. This father understands I've done everything in my power but my son can't stay in my hands. I have to put him in the hands of Jesus. He, he looks at him and he says Jesus Heal my son. I, I, I've taken him to your disciples. Your disciples weren't able to do it, but I believe that you can. Look at what Jesus does. How long has he been like this? The father answered from childhood. It often has thrown him into fire and water to kill him, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus replied, if you can, everything is possible for him who believes. 
Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me, um, um, help me overcome my unbelief. I, I believe, God, that you're able to do it, but help me overcome what I'm doubting. I, I believe that, that you're good, but help me overcome the areas in my life I think you're not good in. And I read this passage of scripture, and oftentimes we stop here, and then I begin to see a dual narrative going on in this particular passage of scripture because Jesus looks at his disciples and says, oh generation of unbelievers, how long will you be with me? And then this father is saying, Jesus, I believe that you're able, but help me with my unbelief. And Jesus then carries out what it was that the father had asked him to do. And so that indicates to me that we're talking about two different things in this passage of scripture. You have a group of people who Jesus is saying, you don't believe, so you did not see. And then you have this father who's saying, I don't know what is capable. But what I do know is that if anything is possible, it's possible with you. And Jesus takes his son and he heals him. And the thing that I've come to notice in this particular passage of scripture is there's a difference between unbelief and doubt. There's a difference between unbelief and doubt. Jesus looks at his disciples. He tells his disciples, you, you generation of unbelievers, how long will you be with me? They did not see the results because they did not believe. The father saw the results because he doubted. There's a difference between unbelief and doubt. And I know some of you may be asking, what's the difference? Well, I'm glad you asked. The difference is doubt is questioning what you believe. Unbelief is a determined refusal to believe. Doubt is a struggle faced by a believer. Unbelief is a condition of the heart of someone who didn't believe in the first place. Unbelief involves spiritual blindness and a determined resistance to God. The reason the disciples could not see this boy be healed is because they did not believe it was possible. The reason this father saw his son get healed because what he believed was possible, he saw was possible. See, it's impossible to doubt what you already don't believe. It's impossible for you to doubt what you already don't believe. In order for you to doubt God's love, you must first believe that God is a loving God. In order for you to doubt God's existence, you must first believe that there is a God that exists. In order for you to doubt anything, you must first indicate that there is something you once believed that you have questions about. This father has been going through these things for years. He's been dealing with his son who's been struggling for years. He's been wrestling with his son who's been tormented for years. And over time, what begins to happen in our lives is it's not the one event that causes us to doubt. It's the compound events that happens over and over and over and over again that bring us to the question, if God really loves me, why am I going through what I'm going through? And I've come to this answer. We lose 
hope in what we expected. God does not live up to our expectations, but he always lives up to his word. See, we don't get disappointed by what happens to us. We get disappointed by what we expected not to happen to us. And we have created this false narrative in our mind that because we have our hope anchored in Jesus, we won't experience pain in our life. When in fact, the Bible is riddled with people who said, listen, although I'm going through severe pain, God is still good. Although I'm missing all these things that I've been promised, God is still faithful. And it is not in the things, it's in who he is. The reason people walk away from God is because their faith was not anchored in God. It was anchored in what God could do for them. And so when what we believe God is supposed to do for us does not happen and does not manifest, we believe that God is not good when in fact God is good. He's just not a lottery machine. We can't put our prayers in and pull down and say, okay, I'm expecting it to happen in this time frame. God is saying, I am good all by myself. And what you've been praying and hoping and expecting for will come to pass. It just will come to pass in my time, not yours. See, God does not operate off time, but he honors it. So he gives us 365 chances at eternity broken down so that we could understand it every single year and wake up the next day and proclaim his goodness. He doesn't operate off time. He doesn't operate off what we want. He doesn't operate off what we expected. He operates off of his word. And it's not fair, but it's just. He's not a fair God. If he was fair, all of us would be dead. If If he was fair, all of us would stand no chance. So he's not fair, but he is just and he is righteous, and he is sovereign. And there's things that we will face in this life that we won't have the answers to, but if we put our lives in the hands of Jesus, he will give you peace in the middle of your storm. And you have to be comfortable with that. He says, I'll give you peace that surpasses all your natural understanding. And I wrestled with that scripture for years, and Jesus broke it down for me. He says, you won't understand the peace until you give up the right to understand. And some of us are trying to figure it out. Why, 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 why? And the question you should be asking is when I'm going through it, who? Who should I turn to? And the problem with some of us is when we're faced with a problem, we talk to people who can't give us solutions. Don't talk to anyone who can't give you a solution to the problem you're dealing with because it turns into information instead of them helping you out with revelation. We've created a society of fake relationships. We call friends, people we click on the internet. When in fact, God created us to live in community so that we could send our heart to them whenever we're going through a storm. We could send our love to them whenever they're going through a storm and they could help us and give us what it is that we need. And that's Jesus. We don't need more opinions. We need more of Jesus. We don't need more thoughts. We need more of Jesus. We don't need more of what we think. We need more of Jesus. And so when you surround yourself with people who believe in Jesus and you tell them, hey, this is the situation. This is the circumstance. They are 
always point you back to the one that could solve those problems. So there's a couple of things that I've written down as it pertains to this passage of scripture. And the first one is this, when we're wrestling with doubt, when we're wrestling with doubt, what do we do? And it's this, God doesn't do what we expect it. Right? He, he doesn't do what we expect him to do. He, he doesn't do what we, what we hope to happen. He doesn't, he's, not, he's not some magic performer. He, he doesn't just abracadabra our lives back together again. He, he has this plan for our lives, and his plan is better than your plan. And there's nothing that pushes you closer to Jesus than pain. See, if you have not experienced pain yet, keep on living. If you have not encountered hardship yet, keep on living because what will happen is God says in Romans, I'll take the good and I'll take the bad and I'll make them work together for the good of those that love me. Life won't be a bed of roses. You'll experience some thorns in this life. But when you get to the end of it, you'll be grateful that you went through what it was you went through with Jesus involved. He says, I'm not what you expected. I'm better. I'm not what you hoped for. I'm better. And where there is doubt, it does not mean that there's a lack of faith. And where there's faith, it does not mean that there will be the absence of doubt. As a matter of fact, where there is great faith, there will always be doubt present. Because if you're not doing something where it causes you to doubt if it's possible, then you're not doing it big enough. God will always cause you to do things so big that you doubt, is it possible? Because at the end of it, he always wants to get the credit for making it happen. Why do many of us doubt? The second thing is we've tried things that did not work. How many of you have tried something before and it fell flat, right? And you ask yourself this question, well, I thought that's what God wanted me to do. I thought that's what was supposed to happen. And it didn't happen the way that you had planned it to happen. But it's because it was God's word, but maybe not his timing. In order for us to understand this walk, We have to understand both God's word and then the timing in which God wants that word to come to pass. But we get in trouble when we try to manufacture our own blessings. God, I know you want me married, so I'm just going to pick somebody. (laughs) She's been in church. She's coming. This is a sign. She raises her hands in worship. This is a sign, and you start to manufacture your own blessing. God, he must be chasing after you because I saw him serving on Sunday. He's everything on my checklist. Tall, handsome, in the tech industry. This must be from you, God. You must want this for me. (laughs) And we get impatient, waiting on the promises of God. 
And so when it does not turn out the way that we hoped and expected, we lose faith in what God told us. Not because God is not a promise keeper, but because we have manufactured our own blessing. We lose our faith and we sink into doubt because we've tried something before and it didn't happen the way we expected it to. So these are the the, the areas of our lives that, that leave us asking the question, well, what should I do with the doubt that I have? Number one is this. Don't hesitate to approach Jesus with your struggles. Because the reality is all of us in here are struggling with something. All of us in here are wrestling with something. But struggle is the proof that you have not been overtaken by your enemy. Right? Because you're struggling, it's an indicator that you have not been overwhelmed by your enemy. When you give up fighting, when you give up going through what it is that you're going through, when you give up wrestling with it, then you're saying to God, I don't have the strength to fight anymore. Enemy got this one. Keep struggling with it, right? That's what, that's what God wants from it. Keep struggling with it. Struggle is the proof that the enemy has not overtaken you. Like, you can wrestle with it for years. Keep wrestling. But as long as you present your struggles to Jesus, he can give your struggles a defining miracle moment that says, listen, you're not crazy. You're not lacking faith. You're not less than. They're not a better Christian than you. You ever seen somebody, they just make you upset because it looks like they're just such a great Christian? Ah, they pray so well. Golly, I hate them. Like, wow. Just can do everything. They pray and it's like before they finish the prayer, it happens for them. Don't you just dislike those people? It's like, man. But this is the reality. They don't have any more faith than you have. Just like the person beside you don't have any more muscles than you have, right? Each one of us has the same amount of muscles. Each one of us has the same amount of faith. But the reason some of us are more muscular than others is because we work the muscles that God has given us differently than other people. The same thing with faith, right? People see different results because of how they work the portion of faith that they've been given. The way you work your faith does not mean that there will be an absence of doubt. It just means that you have to present your struggles to Jesus because he can make everything better. This father said, God, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. God, I believe you can heal me, but there's also a portion of me that believes for the rest of my life I will deal with this pain. I give that to you. God, I believe you have more for me, but there's a portion of me that believes I will deal with this for the rest of my life. God, I believe you want me to to start this business. I believe you want me to pursue this opportunity. I believe, God, this is what you want, but there's a portion of me that believes that it won't happen the way I thought it should happen. And I'm telling you, with that other portion, give it to Jesus. What kind of savior would we serve if we could not give him our doubts? And him to take those doubts and show us the miracle that's hidden between our faith and what we don't believe is possible. 
We're talking about the creator of the universe. We're talking about the alpha and the omega. You're talking about the person that knows you from the inside out, not the public side of you, not even the private side of you. I'm talking about the secret side of you, the things that you have hidden in your heart. He knows those things, and he's telling you to present those things to me because I can make good things happen out of those things. And the second thing that we should do with our doubt is act on the faith that we have. James chapter 2 verse 26 says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. In order for us to see the things that we are trusting God to do in our lives, no matter what they are, no matter how big they are, no matter how small they are, no matter how deep they go in our heart, God is saying, with what you have, I can use it. With what you got, I can, I can make great use out of it. And over the course of time, I will prove myself to be faithful in your life. I asked my son, he's been asking me for Lego dinosaurs. I'm like, man, you got like a hundred dinosaurs. You don't need any more. He's like, yes, daddy, I want Lego dinosaurs. I'm like, why do you want more dinosaurs? You don't need them. You got a room full of them. And he's like, because it's different, two and a half. And he's like, man, where are you learning this stuff from? So I'm like, do you got any money? Like, nope. What do you got? Stretch his shoulder, I don't know. We're in the mall, we're in the Lego store. What do you got? I know he doesn't have the money to buy what it is that he desires to have, but I'm his father. I know he can't work at this particular stage in his life for what it is that he desires to possess, but I'm his dad. And I'm sitting here looking at him. Has he done everything that I've asked him to do? Absolutely not. We're trying to potty train him. And he's like, I poopied in my diaper. I'm like, what the heck, Max? He's good. He's good to say it. Hey, I have to go use the bathroom. It's simple. Like it takes more work to sneak off into a corner and come back and say, I potty. I understand he hasn't done everything right, but I'm his father. It's smelly, it's stinky, it's messy. But I'm his father. And so when he asks me for things that he can't purchase within his own power because I'm his father, and no matter what he does, it can't separate the love I have for him. I will make whatever sacrifice necessary to make sure what it is that he's desired for me is purchased not on his dime, but on mine. 
Are there times in his life where he's, he's thinking, man, is he really going to do it? I'm sure it is. Is there times in his life where I'm thinking, does he really deserve it? Yes, all the time. But at the end of the day, because of the love I have for him, no matter what his doubts may be towards me and no matter what he's done to, 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 to let me know, he doesn't quite understand it. He always gets what it is that he can't purchase. And the love of Jesus Christ is the same thing. You can't do enough to get what it is that you desire to receive in this life. But he's saying, you're my child. You're mine. And I love you. And yeah, I know you got doubts, but if you just bring those doubts to me, I got you. If you'll just, if you'll just come to me, I got you because you are mine. So today, I just invite you to come back to him. I know you got doubts. I know you got real things that you are wrestling with, real things that you're struggling with. God, why am I going through this? Why has it been so long? Why has this fight been so severe? Why has the pain been, been un un unimaginable? And God is just saying, if you come to me, you may not understand why, but you'll understand who. And your faith is not in those things. Your faith is anchored in me. So I just invite you right now just to bow your head as I pray. Close your eyes. Lord Jesus, I thank you that even in the midst of great doubt, you can do great things. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.